Hi, welcome to Musings with Monse, a podcast where I have meaningful conversations with all kinds of artists. Musicians, poets, photographers, and other creatives share their honest stories, touching on the duality of being creative, the pure joy of making art, but also the particular struggles that come with it. And honey, there's no way that I'll ever know oh, everything about you, but oh, how I love what I do. And honey, I love what I don't know, too. In this episode, I'm chatting with Melissa Messer, who is an American realist oil painter. I got a chance to sit down with Melissa in her beautiful studio in Seattle. We were surrounded by her paintings, there was tea, and some cat meows, and it was just perfect. We had a wide-ranging conversation and cover a lot of topics dear to my heart, including art and vulnerability, the gifts and challenges of being an empath, putting your art out and allowing for criticism, settling into yourself, and the effects of that in art. We also talk about in-between times of life and the beauty of going through a season of uncertainty. I am such a fan of Melissa's art and what she does with words. I teared up multiple times throughout this conversation because it just made me feel so much. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Melissa Messer. Thank you for inviting me into your beautiful studio and having some tea. This is like the best setting for a podcast interview ever. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. I'm glad we decided to move it back here away from the living room. Yeah. Um, I was reluctant because there are lemons set up in here and it's smelly. Like lemons have been in here for a while, but now that we're in here. I think it's perfect. I and mean, it smells great to me. <laughs> it reminds me of... Um, of so when I think when I see lemons, I think of Mallorca and Dea in, in, oh, yeah. you know, in Spain, um, because there's always lemon trees everywhere. Yes, and so it's very um, like comforting to me. Yeah, <laughs> so I think of Via Borghese, the uh, garden where they have all of the lemon trees yeah. in Rome. Oh, um, so all good associations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a really beautiful, rich uh, symbology. Totally. Um, so. As you probably know, how I like to start the interview is you are a painter, and that's what you do for work, and um, you're such a beautiful painter. And Thank I want to hear, you know, I was lucky enough to hear some of your story behind, you know, what brought you to painting and, and whatnot, and that, your whole artistic story, but before we get into that, if yeah. you could tell me, you know, a little bit about who you are as a person, and like what you, whatever you want to share about who you are. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um... So I bet start people, off with a big question. Yeah, I bet people are always uh, blown away by that first question. Um, it's interesting because I've been studying art so immersively and then uh, kind of living this art monk life that to kind of peel that away and consider who I am away from that, it sounds like a such a like a workaholic kind of um, taking the powder out of this question, but it is really hard to wrap my mind around like who I am outside of art right now, but... Um, you know, I think that I am, 
I'm from Texas. I live in the Northwest now, and I, I feel like I've been really influenced by both of those, like the austerity um, and the wide open spaces of Texas. I like really crave that solitude and that kind of that long horizon. And then um, the Northwest, I'm really inspired by nature and, and organic forms. And so, and I, I know I'm talking about aesthetics again, but I, I think truly like where you, you live and where you're from, I mean, what bigger influence uh, is there? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about to like we were talking a bit about being um, empaths? Is there anything oh, yeah. you could share there too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that would probably be my realist, realist first answer if someone asked me who I was. Um, yeah, I think I'm uh, just someone who carries a lot of perspectives with me and I'm constantly uh, trying to consider what somebody else is feeling or, um, you know, in this day and age, you know, people might make a joke. I'm also a Libra, you know, and so I'm like always seeing the dialectic. I can, you know, think about two sides of uh, an argument or whatever, but I think mostly I just... Um, I'm so interested in people. I'm so interested in what people want and and what, like makes them feel good or makes them feel bad, but mostly like their motivations. And I don't mean from like a sneaky way, but I just like what turns people on, what, um, you know, like in every kind of, when someone wakes up, you know, in every day, like how, how do you get through every day in like a healthy way and like, but, but also like achieving your um, kind of, desire like can can you like indulge a little bit can you be healthy a little bit can you be productive can right. you uh relax um and I think about a lot of that like in myself because I work at home you know I work in my studio at home and so my life has to be like very structured and um you know so I have to really go deep into my own brain I'm not like looking at a coworker, asking them what they think all the time um or consider asking anybody, like, if I can listen to music, you know, so that, so that's a good part, but, um, so I, I really have to structure my mental space, yeah, my day, my life around, like, kind of emotionally, like, I really have to work when I know I'm going to be, like, very settled and calm and mm -hmm. serene, um, but I think, just to get back to being an empath, yeah. that that, you know, kind of the ability to wield that kind of uh, energy, yep. I think, comes from just being so uh, attuned, attuned to other exactly people. exactly the word I thought when you said yeah. it. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It might be, yeah, I, I always have been interested in, in what people are feeling and yeah. why. And I kind of feel like, you know, I'm an artist, but I could have as easily been like a behavioral psychologist. I'm yeah. totally fascinated, you know, too, in that kind of thing. Too. Well, it's just funny because when we were speaking earlier about being empaths, and I hadn't even, I don't think brought it up yet. I hadn't brought it up yet. And, but you had, I was talking about, I can't remember in what relation, but talking about, you know, oh, like what somebody would feel if I did X, Y, and Z and feeling bad about X, Y, and Z. And you said, well, it's like an empath trait, you know? And I oh, hadn't yeah. thought about that. I mean, duh, right? But like, I hadn't thought about it that way before. When I think of empath, I think of like, oh, we pick up on people's energies and we oh, like yeah. feel things, but not that we're constantly considering what someone else is going to like feel and how they're, and that's totally what I do. Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> and that makes sense, oh, you know? Oh, yeah. That's interesting how you might edit yourself. Yeah. Because of how you feel attuned to 
somebody's reaction maybe yeah. more acutely than you should be or whatever. Yeah. And so you might start to edit yourself. It's interesting because I, I mean, I think as an artist, you, or anyone who, with a voice who uses it, you know, you, you want to not, um, unintentionally turn it on somebody or, right. um, you know, s- say something or evoke an emotion that you didn't mean, Yes. you know, yes. But the thing about art is you put it out there and it's not yours anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I think in speech, for example, with me, where I try to, I feel like my uh, speech pattern is very like halting and searching. And um, it's not because I'm trying to like not offend somebody, but it's because I, in, in my art as well, like I really love precision, you know? Mm. Um, I have an undergrad degree in literature and writing and, um, you know, I love reading, but also like today when I paint and I go for, you know, uh, I look deeply into something. I try to be as precise as I can. Um, I think we were saying earlier that I actually don't like having my photograph taken because I'm not there to represent myself. And I, um, if you don't mind me repeating my spiel, I don't mind at all. It's, it's great. Just that I, <laughs> it's a, it's because um, yeah, I'm not there to represent myself. Where like with words, you have you are that is you. Like you have to say what you mean very precisely. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm a portrait painter yeah. because people have to really settle into themselves. And probably like for you at the end of a podcast, you know, like. Um, the person you're interviewing, like their posture changes, their yeah. breath support changes totally. because the truth will out over a period of time. You settle into yourself. It doesn't just come at the beginning. Which is different, right? Yes, and so the, yes. the photograph is the first 15 seconds of podcasting. Totally. And totally. the painted portrait is the very end. Totally. Just like in any relationship, for instance, when you're starting a friendship or a romance or whatever, like even as much as you're being yourself, like, as you think you're being yourself, it really takes a while to get to that point of being utterly, yeah, like, at ease. And, yeah. you know, and um, so right. I love what you were saying about the, about painting people and how over the course of a couple of weeks, how it, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm not going to, I don't want to botch up what you said because it was so beautiful. If you can remember what you said. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not sure if I can't, um, um, but I paint yes. people for... <laughs> Multiple weeks, um, you know, I make a kind of slow art. I'm a, an oil painter, a contemporary realist that comes out of, um, a tr- like, a classical training, right? So I have to take this classical training and wield it in a modern world or a, a contemporary world. So, um, But what I, the way that I go through the process is very old, and so it takes a lot of time, all to say that I'll have someone sit for days and days and days for me over several weeks. And, you know, over that period of time, we say the pose naturalizes because, um, and we say that because what, what you do when you pose for a camera or whatever um, is not natural. Mm-hmm. And over a period right. of time, as gravity takes hold and and the composition, your natural composition of your posture and your face. Um, I think I've said, um, when people have painted me, yes, yes. sometimes I'll sit, you know, I'll, um, we'll trade time practicing painting each other sometimes, and artists will, or people in school did. 
Um, <laughs> Can you meow there? <laughs> I, uh, I find that sometimes, even if it doesn't look like, even close to what a photograph, like photorealistic image of me would look like, I almost always find that there's an emotional likeness there that um, goes beyond a photograph. For me, I never, I never, something exactly, like, yeah. something like that. I never really identify yeah. with photographs. And it's not even like a, um, I don't know. I mean, it's probably a vanity, but I'm about to try to convince you it's like not vanity. <laughs> but I, it's not yeah. like because I'm like so, you know, it's like not because I um, have like a zit on my face or I like don't like the way my hair is parted. Or it's nothing like that. It's just, um, I don't know. It doesn't feel like me. I also, uh, you know, I like talking to people. I like going, you know, one step deeper. deeper. I'm actually really terrible at names. I always tell myself because that is like not the piece of information that yes. is most important to me. It's okay, you made me feel a lot better about oh, the good. fact that I don't remember anybody's name ever, and I feel horrible about it. That is why. There you go. Well, I, I'm, I really, like, I've actually, like, Googled how to get better, because yeah. it's just as soon as I know it, it just falls right out of my head, because what I want to know is everything. Like, what makes you tick, you know? Yeah. Like, what is your motivation? Like, what's your relationship like with your siblings? Like, whatever, totally, you know? Totally, totally, um, yeah. And then uh, there have been so many times where I'll have just you know, so many, like, beautiful conversations with people, you know, that you meet at events or whatever, and then, oh my god, it really, you do a disservice to yourself when you're just like, oh my god, I what know, was name? I know, I, but it's fun, I relate to that so deeply, it's like, it's true, it's what it is too, I'm always looking, searching for that in a person as well, like, what's, who, like, the essence of the person, like, and all those things that you mentioned is, to me, the essence of a person. Yeah. Not, and I think that's why I don't like small talk, you know? Because it's like, right. that's not getting to that. Right. You know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, people who are good at small talk, which I feel like is, is a real skill. Yeah. A real skill. And I think, you know, possibly um, an important one, depending on how you spend your days. Yeah. But um, since I'm, you know, a little, like troll that spends my day in a studio and I don't see people it's just I'm never gonna talk to you about the weather right I like have to go I have to go for something I meteor immediately yeah. so now um, that I think about it we, <laughs> we just met for the first time today even though we've been talking yeah. a bit and we I don't think we've had any small talk in our our, our friendship so far no <laughs> at all right, right? Oh, yeah, no, we sat down and we're like, okay, life changes. Yeah, exactly. Big life all changes. things and yeah, yeah. Oh, which reminds me. Yeah. Big, something that we um, agreed that we wanted yes. to like uh, extend. We dog-eared or put a pin in. Uh-huh. Didn't even go into it. Yeah. Because we wanted to talk about... The in-betweens. That's right. That's yes. Right. Yes. Let's talk about that. Why don't okay. We just, since it's on our minds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved what you were talking about because I was... You were saying you really thrive in those times, right? Of kind of turbulence and chaos, and yeah. maybe that's not exactly the way you no, phrased it. No, I think it, that's right. <laughs> and I was like, heck, yeah, me too. <laughs> and I think for me, um, and then I want to hear you expand on this, but for me, what I've loved about the in-between times of life is that just the openest possibility, yeah. like anything feels possible, right? you know? And um, 
And yeah, so that's that's. I'll just stop there, and like, if you want to elaborate or oh, say whatever you want to say, I just I totally agree. It feels fertile. They feel fertile, and I think one of the for me, um, especially as you know, someone who needs a quiet space, you know, to control the lighting of the situation, who needs so much stability to get anything done. Literally, if anything rocks my boat in a day, I'm, I'm like pleading with myself, begging, bargaining with myself to get something done. Um, and it's not because I'm, you know, like a weenie and I can't <laughs> handle, but the, um, what I mean is like to get into that place, like that trance place of work and focus where the hours fly by, which is what I need often to get through um, portions of my work. Right. So when I when things are unstable, um, that you know can really detract from my productivity, which is like of course what I'm obsessed with right now, just trying to like get work out um, and improve, just constantly improve. So all to say that it is of course the thing that I am like terrified of is just um, a season of instability and uh, just uncertainty. Oh my god, right. So when it happens, I think we talked about like that is what makes you anxious um, or the thing that makes you anxious. If anything happens, uh, someone loses a job or you lose a friend or, or what have you, um, you know, something about that you strongly identify with goes away. Yes. You know, all of these things, um, you know, y you are rocked to your core. And I, it's so strange because that is my fear that I would go into a season of not being productive um, and and not feeling good in my heart or in my head. But I, I find that I like light up. I, yeah. I just get so into problem solving because this uh, fear that you have, well, the thing happened, whatever it is, the other shoe dropped and now you have to figure it out. And I've, I feel like that ground is, it's such fertile ground for problem solving. It's such fertile ground for change. Like that thing that you're not doing because your life is some kind of way. Yes, well, now yes. you can like pivot and do this or move there or try this new thing. Um, try this new career, try, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, I also, I think like those periods in life have often come with completion of something. So they're not, it's not always bad. It's like yeah. actually usually great. Totally. Sometimes it's because you lose your job and you didn't want to necessarily, or sometimes it's because you've lost a loved one or, um, but often it's, it's graduations yeah. and it's, um, you, you got a job right. or you're starting something new. You're starting, um, new city. school or yeah. new city. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, all the things when I, um, I'd been freelancing as a creative director in advertising and I wanted to, um, you know, just take the leap. It was now or never. I, I needed to pursue life as an artist and I just felt okay. like, one day I woke up and I was like, it's an emergency. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. It's an emergency now. <laughs> I'm doing this. And it, it was crazy. It was the craziest I've ever felt um, in terms of, um, you know, I make very pragmatic decisions, which is what I think, you know, um, in the back of my head is like, I'm going to, you know, be the cockroach that like the last standing person <laughs> because, yeah. uh, because I make such pragmatic decisions. But so this was so against like the grain for me, but I was just like, I'm, I don't know. I, the, the light, you know, we, we have this one life yeah. and I needed it to go a certain way yeah. for me to make, you know, like that's how I make meaning. Totally. And so, um, I, 
went into art and it was that moment where I, you know, you push off of your, like, I don't know, let's pretend we're in a, we're on a cruise boat. Okay, let's pretend we're on a yeah. cruise boat and you like get into a little life raft or whatever and you like push away from it and then it gets further and further away. And now it's like tiny and perspectively it's as small as the boat that you're in, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, here I am in the middle of nowhere all alone. Um, and you only have yourself and those moments of like where you prove to yourself that you're stronger and braver than you thought you were. Yeah. Um, those, that's when you really find the edges of yourself, your limits. Yeah. Um, when you really know something about yourself, yes. when you learn something about yourself, that's what you can take with you. Forever. The ne- yeah. yeah. The next time, Forever. the next time. Yeah. yeah. It's, I love all of what you just said because I think that is just as you described sometimes it can be just like a whisper inside and then one day you wake up like you said and it's like an emergency like oh my gosh I need to do this now yeah and um and you just know it's like that's the time right because your body like tells you right and I think that like I can tell you from my personal experience like years ago when I first made that jump like off the boat you know and it was something I for it was leaving a job that I actually really loved yeah. And, um, and it was very like prestigious and et cetera, et cetera. It looked really shiny and it was really shiny. Yeah. It was like, you know, all the things, but it felt I felt great. And you identified, yeah. it, it was an identifier for you. It was. Yeah. And this is many years ago now. Um, cause I'm getting older, <laughs> but, um, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. We, we yes. all should be so lucky, right? <laughs> it's so true. Um, but, and it was, I would say, I'm saying that to say that it was really one of my no, not one of the first job that had that feel to it, right? Where it was like, I felt so lucky to have had that job. Yeah. And I was like, how could I logically walk away from this? But something like strong inside of me at some point was mm-hmm. telling me I didn't want to be living in New York City anymore. Mm, word. And, yeah. <laughs> I know yes. you can relate. Yes. So, and I was like, I want to be on the West Coast. And I just knew it. Like, it was like my heart was just pulling me towards that yeah and um and it's you know not just New York City but I think it was also the the lifestyle I had the pace I had I had no friends outside of work because my life was fully work oh my gosh you know so this like it just shut down and yeah that was that for you yeah community and everything yeah yeah Yeah. totally um but you know when I it was a big risky decision it felt like it at least at the time um and I, I left my job and first of all and also I had these amazing managers like I had great managers who are still two of my dear mentors and who also really encouraged me which was so awesome because they were like you go you do your thing you know and they are just they have my back still to this day I love it but so anyways I left and you know I went to Spain for a little while um and I think I had saved up a little bit of money um but I was like running out of money and then I was moving to San Francisco without a job um, and luckily, luckily for me, I got a job like within the first week I was there at the symphony there. So I continued the music Sweet. in a different form. Yeah. But it's like that first leap somehow gave me the confidence to do it again and again yeah. and again. And it has always worked out. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I just know that it's like, I have this like deep confidence in that. I'm not confident in every area of myself or life, but I, I, that is something I know to be true. Yes. That like, if you trust your inner voice, it won't lead you astray in these things, you know? So, oh my and here I am about to do another leap. Yes. And I think probably a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I know it's like exactly what I need to do. And I'm really excited yeah. about it. <laughs> no, I, 
I've, I know it sounds uh, indulgent or privileged, and, and it is, I guess, to say, like, it's crazy to do something that yeah. you don't want to do, but yeah. if you don't have to. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. to stay in a situation yeah. that you don't have to be in. Right. Um, I mean, I've definitely <laughs> had jobs that I really, really hated every day at, you know, but did not hate that it, like, paid for eating and sure. sleeping. And, um, but, man, you know, hopefully we we try and strive, and I think it's the American dream to kind of work out of that. Yeah. And uh, and then once you have choices, yeah. if you're yeah. lucky enough, like, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You have, I mean, you have to. What else? I think, you know, we're living so long yeah. now. Like, our generation especially will live so long. And I think about the profession I'm in, in which uh, where like most people will start to retire on 65 and maybe in our generation will be like 70. But, yeah, um, totally. That is like when as a painter you knuckle down and you like make your opus, you like make your Sistine Chapel, right? Like you don't, uh, you work forever. You work till the arthritis like kicks in right. or whatever, you know, takes, uh, takes over too much. But um, I think we live so long, you will be working for a long time. Yeah if you can possibly make a life for yourself yeah. doing something that gives you meaning, then you got to. You have to. And the thing is, to add to that, as like a da-da-dot, you know, I wouldn't say that everyone used to go quit their jobs, you know, and follow their current passion. Like, that's not the answer. No. It's more just like, chase what is inside of you it's like screaming to come out yeah. like do that whatever that looks like and however it looks like doesn't mean you necessarily need to quit your job and you can do both yeah. you can have your job and pursue like and I think that's something you and I it was clear from both of our stories that like you know I for example I was going to grad school while working a full-time job while doing you know side projects yep. and that, I Same. still live yeah. that life you know and I think that's the thing. It's not like it has to be one or the other, but I just think that, like, life is too short to not pursue yeah. what, like, lights you up. Yeah, you and know? if it does light you up, like, I lived that third shift life for years and years and years, and, and it's like you're doing the thing that, you know, feeds you yes. uh, physically. Yeah, <laughs> yes, doing, yes, like, exactly. Uh, the thing that makes you better, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, I, today, I, you know, I work on commissions all day, and then I'll still go to, like, a night uh, drawings class or session, you know, uh, even today I'm still third shifting it like at my, you know, while I'm in my chosen uh, profession, but I, you know, I still freelance, mm -hmm. um, to right. like make ends meet. Um, you know, and I think this comes up yeah. a lot. Uh, I've heard, uh, like a, in your more recent podcasts, mm -hmm. um, just that, yeah, I mean, it, it whatever, you know, I put my foot forward as an artist, as a painter, and that's what I am, and that is what I spend most of my time doing. But sometimes I have to put this big dream aside, which, I mean, by dream I mean it is, you know, existentially painful and, like, all the things that go into making art, but I have to put all of that, like, uh, aside and, and, you know, make ends meet every once in a while. And I, I don't find that, like, a caveat to no. my career. I find it like it's supporting me. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I find the f the fact that I like can do that. Um, I think I said earlier like I don't find that to be. Um, I will I will make it. You know, and by making it, I just mean like I will continue to paint. Yes. yes. Forever because I can because there's not pressure 
to make it as some prodigy, which right. like doesn't happen, especially not in my like genre. But um, yeah, because I can feed myself a bunch of different ways, and I think we should all expect that from ourselves. You know that we should. You know, especially our generation. Oh my gosh! I when I was in grad school, I read that our generation will change careers, not jobs, seven times. Yeah. Wow. Careers. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... That's a very American thing, too. I I agree. You know? Yeah. 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 Like, my friends in Spain... No. ...and family, they're like, what? Like, you're doing... You're doing what? You know? (laughs) Because it's not... It's not the way that it works there. It's like you're kind of in one profession for... And they do vocational training a lot earlier, like, high school... Like, in high school. Yeah. Man, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, um... I mean, then they can change. Not like they can't, but it's just not as common. You yeah. You know? It's, it's just different. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I yeah. guess that pursuit of, like, life, liberty, and happiness, um... <laughs> you know, we really, yeah. really internalized that. Yeah, totally. But I think it's... It's, I guess, the rhetoric around happiness that yeah. I want to, like, address in the professional pursuit because I think... I'm not happier because I do art, I'm probably slightly more angsty because (laughs) I, uh, you know, I make something that takes a piece of me and smears it on canvas and, and, um, and, and I work, you know, in a very skill-based genre. I, I paint things to look like the things that I'm painting. So I'm paint representationally. I, I shoot for realism, even if I have a point of view or perspective in it. I, I shoot for, you know, to evoke emotion around, you know, the everyday, something that you see, mm-hmm. um, that I hold it up and I show it to people, hold show it to the world. And that necessitates like some kind of reaction. Yeah. And, um, that's just part of it. That's not quite what makes me angsty. What makes me angsty is, is how far I feel like I have to go as yeah. an artist, um, I think, I I think about the word vertigo a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, where um, I think we talk about casually like vertigo is, a, you know, like an inner ear infection or uh-huh. like a fear of heights or something. But to me, I I do believe that this is actually the sensation is maybe you're looking up at a ladder that's very tall and it goes up into the heavens, yeah. or maybe if you can imagine. Um, Jack's beanstalk, where you look up and perspectively it diminishes into the heavens, right? Like when you see that and and suddenly you either you have the sensation of shrinking or the thing that you're considering has the sensation of growing next to you, right? Uh, Where your perspective in an instant changes and it's a sick feeling, right? And I think that is how I feel when I look at where I need to push myself Mm -hmm. to go or where I want to be in this... um, not that I have, you know, something to prove or that I want to make a big splash in some way exactly. It's that I have this one life and I yeah. want to be, I want to make something that I believe in. Yeah. And in order to do that, I mean, that is 20 years down the line. I mean, I want to make something that I stand by mm. as as art that, I've, that has contributed mean, meaningfully to, um, you know, art in some way. So I think, like... The way to unwind from that sensation is to consider it laterally, mm-hmm. like to, you know, think like, again, if we're on our raft <laughs> or something, yes. 
um, you know, to think about like, a, I don't know if it's a lighthouse or if it's like land way off, you know, and it's like so far in the distance. And to me, that's 20 years, 20 years down the road. And I do not think that is a long amount of time. It actually feels so short to me. I mean, mm. I'm like, okay, you got 20 years and you need to, you need to get there. You need to become good enough to make something you think is great. And I mean, I've, it feels rushed actually to me. I mean, I've, it pulls me out of bed in the morning. It makes me work all day on paintings that people have asked me to make and then work at night on, you know, go this, to this a drawing session to get better. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Um, so I, if you're okay with this, I'd love to quote you. Sure. <laughs> so I was reading the Project Girl Crush interview, oh, yeah. which anyone listening to this should absolutely, absolutely go back and read that interview with you because it's so great. Thanks. They're yeah. so great. Jen's so I'm great. I'm such a fan. So there's this one quote. I, I just think it's so beautiful that you said, and um, if you, I'm just going to re- read it um, and then I'll talk about it a little bit. So you said... Our job is to be so sensitive that we capture ephemera, light wrapping along objects, and analyze color, composition, and meaning along the way. This demands heightened sensitivity, not emotional volatility, but actually the opposite. Steady, focused receptivity, like telescopes that see particles. Allowing yourself to become this sensitive is incredibly vulnerable. Your soft underbelly is all the way outside of your shell. After eight or ten hours in the studio, you step into the world and you have vertigo Mm. of the senses, (laughs) like you were just saying. You're easily overwhelmed by the world. Lights are brighter, sounds louder. It might take a half hour or several, several to reorient. Use language fluently. Come down from the ceiling. It comes with a territory, as does showing your work Mm. and inviting criticism and reaction. So, first of all, that, that resonates with me so much, and I think I feel that specific huh. vertigo. Man, I feel the exact same way one year later. Yeah. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. As in, yeah. Um, so I would love to first speak about vulnerability and art. Yeah. Um, and then second, a little bit about inviting criticism and reaction. Yeah. So wherever you want to take it. But um, I just love those words and, and just wanted to hear you unpack it a bit. Yeah, I, thanks. Man, uh it's funny whenever someone um, quotes you or whatever, it's usually not in like a laudatory context. It's usually like, well, you said this. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? Right. Um, I, I, so I'm remembering what I was trying, I think, to get across. It's funny, like telescopes that see particles, which is, you know, telescopes, they see far away. It's like the opposite of what they see, I guess, is what I was trying to say. But so it's like you're trying to be a wide angle lens, but also like a tight like close-up lens at the same time, you have to be the same mechanism or vessel or whatever. Um, And so I think, and I was coming, this was, I wrote at the very end, um, we did this interview at the very end of four years of training, classical training in an apprenticeship style atelier environment. So it's full-time, more than full-time, you know, just like as many hours as you could pour into a 24-hour space a day for four years. And, you know, the old master's, even not even old masters like Picasso, for example, also did it for 10 years from a very young age. Um, you know, and we, we attempt to get it done in four and I came later and, uh, you know, nobody's doing it at 12, but, um, I think I was just saying like, uh, 
you there is this I don't know I want to say characterization almost stigma of like an over emotional artist or um, but when you're a student your whole job is for your heart to be cracked open yeah. and just to be as receptive as possible. And so when you are that feeling and that sensitive, and again, I don't mean like you looked at me the wrong way, mm-hmm. right. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I'm observing things so closely. Yes. I'm observing photons scattering and how they scatter across different surfaces, right? So, you know, you're just so open and so open to, um, you know, during this time, I can wrap criticism in here, during this time, just whatever my teachers said, I would do, you know, on my paintings. Um, because I wasn't making masterpieces. Now, if they came into my studio now and they were like, I don't like this, I would, you know, I'd be like, well, let's do that. <laughs> right, right. But It's during... a while to cultivate that, though, doesn't it? Yeah. To have your own, to kind of hone your own voice. And yeah, well, I don't think it. I'm there yet, but I think I definitely cut the umbilical cord of school in terms yeah. of, like, I'm done with having someone come stick their finger in my painting and, um, you know, and, and point to things and say this or that. Uh, only for... A short period of time. I think I just need um, a minute without other voices in my head. Yes. Um, I need to make mistakes and fix them on my own and not, you know, um, which I always, you know, there was a lot of doing that anyway. But um, I just need to be able to solve my own problems and be in my own head for a long time. I think when you feel like you're under the microscope in a school environment, um, you know, it just leads to a lot of second-guessing and self-editing and self-consciousness, which is great when you're trying to hone a technical skill, but then when you try to, like, add a point of view to it, it really can be silencing and shut you down, which um, I do not mean to say that that's what my school was about at all. Um, It's just that we were there for a very specific reason. I changed my life and went to this program for a very specific reason to pick up skills to pick up hard skills that we don't teach in institutions anymore like you have to go to these places that where they're being taught by people who are stewards of this art form so um when you're a student and you are as vulnerable as possible um you know things like really can really affect you like i would find myself um at the film festival, like, I would cry through every yeah. film, you know, yeah. or, which is not, you know, um, I have, I have probably a pretty even-keeled relationship with crying, I wouldn't say I'm not a crier, but I wouldn't say, like, at any moment, I, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, um, but I, you know, or things I would, would, <clears throat> interactions that I would have with people would, you know, I would linger with me mm-hmm. or impressions, like mm-hmm. again as an empath, okay? Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. impressions, like feelings. Like if I left um, lunch with a group of people and it was like stilted and awkward, I would continue to carry that feeling yes. longer than normal. These are all normal things, but it's just heightened. It's just everything's like yeah. this like funny, um, <laughs> everything's this like burden that you carry, um, emotionally, or not burden, or, you know, baggage, but what I mean to say is, uh, how in Lois Lowry's The Giver, when they learn to see color, how the gifts can be also heavy. Yes. Right? Yes. And so that's how it felt being a student, 
And, um, and then life as an artist, I love that I get to be in my own head and make my own decisions and not be second guessing myself. But, um, it's still that thing. I'm still looking at photons on, you know, reflecting. I'm just still looking at how light makes shapes and shadows. And, um, and so, you know, I, like I said earlier, you know, I really had to hone my like, uh, emotional space and, um, get a lot of, not because again, it's not like, I feel like I see in movies or in literature, like these drunk debauched artists who are like passionate and like break stuff, you know? (laughs) And it's, it's obviously, um, you know, the, it's more of a monastic life in which I, you know, I don't, and I think it's a superpower, but I don't really drink alcohol, like, or caffeine. Yeah. You know, I, I really, like... Because it can really affect your... Yeah, me too. Have but, a light tea. I wondered <laughs> about that, because I don't really drink hardly ever, and um, I'm very, like, when I have caffeine, I can really feel it. Yeah. Is that, like, part of being a sensitive person? Yeah. Like, picking that up. Maybe. Or, I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, like, I used to drink a ton of coffee to get through school, right? Yeah. And then, but slowly... Um, I noticed like crashes in the yes, afternoon yes. Or, or that kind of thing. And then I'd noticed that like sugar would drop me and it would be, you know, I'd be getting ready to uh, for a show and I would just be working eight days a week, whatever, you know? And, um, I would just be like, okay, you know, what actually gives me the most stable energy. And this is like a surprise to nobody is just not no, nothing right, like, right. is like water and sleep yeah that is like the secret five-hour energy drug or whatever like that is the secret a little lemon water you know in the morning yeah <laughs> that's yeah. The thing for you <laughs> yeah or like in the um I drink a lot of like hot water yeah you know yes. in the or maybe put a lemon in or whatever but yeah, I, yeah. Hot, a lot of hot water um you know obviously I drink herbal teas but um you know I don't even need that yeah I mean not fancy of a thing I just um If I really need to make the most out of my time, I'm I'm not being uh, swayed one way or another because I just need that equilibrium. Like that's my drug. Yes, yes. Um, and and like if you can sleep, and if you can drink water, and if you oh no sugar, if you can get rid of sugar, yes. I mean you know I like to have strawberries, and sometimes you know I've gotten to the where I've cut down sugar so much just because literally it. It picks me up and drops me. Yeah. On my face yeah. when I, like, really need to be productive um, by 4 o'clock. It's all about trying to get out of this 4 o'clock churn mm-hmm. where if I need to, um, you know, sometimes it's fine to, like, chill out at 4 o'clock and take a walk or whatever. But, I mean, I'm on deadlines a lot. And so I... I'm like, okay, here it comes. It's like two. Yeah. Pretty soon it's going to be 3.30, then it's going to be four. And if I could just make it, if I could just keep working and if I could keep this focus until yeah. like five or six, then I can, you know, I like to work until like seven or eight. I like to be cleaning at 7.30 mm. so that I can shut it all down and turn my brain off yes. so that it can go to sleep and start, you know, yeah. start winding the brain down. And, you know, I try to close my eyes by 11 it's hard because I need to read I really need to yeah. read like uh, for, out of pleasure you need to read or do you mean you have oh, to yeah, read no, for work out of pleasure yes, I need yes, to read yes. or um you know I need to get out of my you know because yeah. I spend my all day in my own head right but I have to get out of it for a, a bit and like scrolling does not work yeah 
Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scrolling doesn't work, and it's actually, I think, you know, we all know it's actually really stimulating. So, or um, what is it? It fires up that like addictive kind of you uh-huh. need that dopamine yep. or whatever. Yep. I'm not sure about That's the terminology. Real. It's true. Yeah. yeah, and so I need like something else, and it could even be an exciting book, but it just because even books have a grant, you know, books. Um, have paragraphs that end and like yes. things and it's taking you out of your world a bit you know yeah I mean even if it's non-fiction it still is in a way you know it's not your story you're yeah. telling or the you know it's different yeah, any of that yeah yeah well I mean you turn a page on a book a paragraph ends so you there are like these natural places to close yes. it we're like yes. scrolling oh my goodness yeah I really I'm just not sure I wonder if I you know I love that I um I love that something like uh, yeah Instagrams or whatever have I have seen so many learned about so many artists and yeah. it, like even yeah. art, art history through you know I've I've been educated but then I also have like connected with so many artists or like I go to conferences I go to workshops I travel um, meet people and you know you stay connected with them you see the work that they're you know because it's a visual platform. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely, I feel like Instagram was made for us. Yeah, know? right. I mean, right. it really, because you just, you're sharing it yeah. in that way. Um, and then all of these amazing artists. Oh my gosh, there are so many amazing contemporary artists. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know that there's like some attitudes out there that, you know, there's not a lot of art, great art being made. I and mean, there's a, just always going to be a lot of bad. And there always has yeah, been a lot of exactly. bad art. But there is some, there are some stellar, yeah. stellar artists out there. So you know, all praise Instagram. However, I am worried about what it does to our brain, yeah. especially someone who's, you know, practically like live action role playing. Like I'm some Dutch person in the golden age or something, <laughs> but I, um, for someone who needs to have long periods of deep focus, um, that like dopamine yeah. where I have to go, we'll say a long time without dopamine, like yeah, without this, yeah. that quick fix or what, um, I have to like rely on something else. I don't even know. Oh, man, um, you know, uh, um, I do feel like when I am more engaged in, in that, in a relationship with, um, digital media or something, I feel like a window closed yeah. in my brain that and I can almost feel it like um I don't know if I've been away from uh painting for the weekend let's say I set it aside for the weekend or something and I don't know I've gotten like way too deep into like I don't know reading like Game of Thrones theories on Reddit or you know I can feel a window closing and I'm not talking about like kids today like (laughs) what you know I don't know kids need to do whatever they want um the future is theirs but I personally wonder if I would be a better, more productive artist if I did not indulge in those distractions. I think about this a lot, too. And I feel the same way. I feel like there's... And specifically Instagram, I prefer all the the social media platforms. Because I think, just like you said, it's a visual, you know... Yeah. um, Way to... I I don't know. I love photographs. I love seeing what people are up to. And... um, and yeah, I think there's so many benefits to it, but just like you're saying, I think about that all the time. I took a month off from Instagram. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe like six months ago or something like that. And wow, like at first it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was like this habit, like I wanted to go and look and then, 
once I just kind of let it go, it felt so freeing, you know? Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't know, but then here I am back at it, and there's a lot of just great things. But I don't know. I just feel, I have a very complicated relationship with yeah. Instagram, you know? Yeah. And I think, like, you know, it feels, <laughs> this is, it feels a little gauche or petty or something to be saying, like, to be going, having an in-depth you know, conversation about bloody Instagram, <laughs> but I think Instagram's like a stand-in for yes. whatever, yes. you know, yes. I have, um, a book on the shelf there that's an apology for idling by, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. And he, he writes this essay that's like about why you should chill out <laughs> and idle and like relax. And, and he talks about criticism that he, um, that he gets, for he likes to go, I think, lay in the grass by the pond or something and just kind of yeah. chat to his friends or chat to ladies. And and I forgot what he calls it, the, like napping by the pond. And he gets a lot of, he does a lot of that. Um, you know, there are all, you know, and then of course there's like the bar or whatever. There's like a lot, there are always these um, other pulls, um, things that divert us. Yeah. And sometimes um, that's great but done on a long period of time where it becomes yeah. a preoccupation. That's right. Um, yeah, you really have to consider, you know, now they show you how much time you spend yes. doing stuff. And um, as someone who, like, I'm just trying, constantly trying to, like, life, you know, life hack my life, I'm like, where can I get an extra 15 minutes? And not like I'm over-scheduling myself, but I schedule myself in time to do nothing, you know, because yeah. that needs to happen too. Like, I, I need two and a half hours to read or stare at the wall, you know, at the end of the night. Um, I have on the shelf as well, here is uh, Benjamin Franklin's autobiography, uh-huh. which is a hoot. Um, if I ever write a, an autobiography, it's got to be like that. It's just like, here's everything I did. I made the world such a better place. And, um, but he he has in the middle of it, which is really worth the like $3 I paid for the book, <laughs> is a day in his life, which has got to be apocryphal, but... He wrote that, um, you know, he rises at six and it, and it's like time, he reads and then he has breakfast and then he does this kind of work, but it's like ev- his whole day meted out and he even has time for just like spacing out, yeah. um, in there. And it looks, it's like a very chaste version of, uh, Ben Franklin's life, which we all know is, you know, not true, but, um, I kind of, I've been inspired. I read it when I was in grad school and I was like, all right. This, you gotta do this. just write it down, yeah. you know, 15 minute block by yeah. 15 minute block. Um, and I, uh, when confronted with how much time I spend with my screen, which is not, I mean, I know it's not a lot of time because I, ha- I have my phone away from me mm-hmm. while I'm painting. And if I'm spending blocks of painting, time painting, I know that it's less than the average person, but it's still too much. Yeah. Um, also like, I will say that since I have the New York times crossword puzzle app on uh-huh. there, like that's uh-huh. going to eat in a bit. Right. <laughs> and that's, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't mind that so much, but, um, I'll just say there's always going to be some weird yeah. diversion of the time of the times. And I, I think it is, you know, maybe perpetually worth looking into yeah. like why we want to become addicted to our diversions. Right. Right. And that's really all it is, right? It's just being, getting curious about it. Yeah. And paying attention to it. Yeah. I think that's, um, because we're not going to be perfect and we don't, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's that 
Um, yeah, I guess sometimes where you're like, I don't know, I'm just like, I've been on Reddit, I've been looking at ferrets, like, you know, um, <laughs> and I'm yeah. firm for half an hour, and I'm, that's what I, this is where I want and need to be right now, but sometimes you're like, you know, I didn't intend for this to happen. I didn't intend to go pour myself a cup of coffee and be looking at ferrets on Reddit for half an hour. <laughs> you know, and that's when you have to like back away. Slowly. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. Like, I know sometimes I'll be scrolling through an Instagram thing. I'm like, well, what am I doing right now? Like, I'll have to catch myself. Like, like stop. Like, this is not a productive use of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like looking. I mean, it can be someone's like art, and I'm just like going through and like looking at all this stuff. But yeah, it can cool, be enriching. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm also kind of like I'm, I should be asleep right now. Like, right. You know, what am I doing? Yeah. But um, yeah, totally unrelated to that. But I still is ringing in my head what you said about um, about the gifts can be heavy. Mm. And man, I just think that really pour some water here. Yeah, no, it sums up being a sensitive being. You know, that the to me, it's like yeah. the gifts of being sensitive are heavy. But yeah, I mean I I think I would prefer that to not. You me know, too. I think it's yeah. not, like you say like it sounds like I'm like I'm sensitive. It's heavy, you know, no, which of course is like um you know, it's not. I, I mean, I really f- would prefer that life to the yeah, alternative. To it, right? Yeah. Or to not feeling. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's, there are a few things. Oh, man. I was taking a, uh, my husband sent me a, I think Adobe made recently, like a what creative type are you quiz. Uh-huh. Everybody, it's really cute um, and pr- fairly accurate and, and like not written uh, by your third grade teacher or whatever you know it's nice and and intuitive um and my um my creative type oh yeah it asked me like what your what your uh, secret weapon is curiosity or endurance oh and I was flummoxed what do I yeah because I I do feel like a forever student you know where I want to be learning forever and challenging my my assumptions forever and skills forever but I know actually that my secret weapon is endurance and I know that that's because I'm because I'm sensitive because I'm aware that I you know what I put my body through when I go when I do a painting when I you know I wouldn't say my sensitivity has like reduced my stamina at all it's just made me very aware yes. of how I spend my time, of what I'm, you know, it's, um, I think this was a point I was trying to make up at the top of this, is that um, it has made me, being an empath, whatever, being kind of someone who, like, really has a high sensory experience of the world, has um, made me really want to dial in how I spend my energy, how I yeah, spend my time. Yeah. And I think that ha- is what makes me stronger and have this. What I do know is my secret power of like, I know how to lock in and work an unhealthy amount of time on something, but then I also know how to like take care of myself afterwards. Yeah. And, yeah. or I know how to break that up into something that wouldn't, you know, be unhealthy. And that is a true gift. I, I <laughs> think that. So. It I mean, is. It got me through grad school yeah. while I was working full time, you know, and, uh, which I don't recommend to anybody if you can ever afford to just Same go to school. Here. Just do that. <laughs> Coming from 
from both of us. If you can, <laughs> don't do it. I'm like still trying to glue yeah. my brain back together yes. from that time. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, well, I want to ask you, so um, when I had Rachel Demi on the podcast, you know, and I asked her whose creativity moves her, you were her answer. And that's oh how I God. discovered you and met you, and I'm so grateful to Rachel for that. Oh um, my gosh, that was, I couldn't, that was the sweetest kindness she is such a what an amazing soul um she is yeah so we when we meet up we talk about you know the same conversation you know you and I've been having like creativity as a photographer kind of where how does she implement her perspective and like what is it that she wants to make and um she's like definitely got an artist's heart which I think just means like you find meaning in in making and establishing um you know, a relationship with your subject and... Well, I can totally see why you two are friends because you both have just deep, intelligent, soulful hearts. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you the same question. And, you know, you can say yeah. Rachel, but maybe tell me someone else too whose creativity moves Yeah. Through. I mean, she said she... I benefited from the recency effect with <laughs> Rachel because I think yeah. we had just had lunch before. And I do feel like, you know, new friends in that way where you just... Um, you feel inspired, like, yeah. in the way that, um, like, if we think about inspiring means, like, you know, to move the spirit where, you, you know, um, I, Rachel definitely, like, as, and we're, um, kind of building, I think building a, a friendship and relationship and a rapport around sharing kind of these, uh, these, having these thoughts and conversations that, like, I don't know, not everyone in our life wants to have with yes, us all the time, so we're, yes. like, fulfilling and, and kind of going, doing these, um, you know, just chatting it out, processing, working on it together, um, but I think, um, I feel like a broken record for the past four years, maybe, but there is somebody making art right now who I just, you can't scratch her, I love her, um, work, I think she's a fantastic human. Her name is Colleen Berry. Um, uh, you can check out her Instagram um, or her website, ColleenBerry.com, perhaps. But um, Colleen Berry Art is her Instagram. Um, I've had the privilege of taking a few workshops with her. She's a, an amazing, amazing human. But, um, you know, I was listening or maybe reading, um, another art hero is Vincent Desiderio. I'm actually going to go study with him all July in, um, Orvieto, Italy. Okay, amazing. Uh, so I'm so, so excited. Oh my God, I'm so what? excited. Um, so he's amazing. Um, he was saying something about Picasso and I can't believe if, I can't remember if I was listening to this or reading an interview with him, but he said, love it or hate it. Uh, you see a Picasso painting and you want to run into your studio and paint, you know, um, Mm. and Colleen, it's not love or hate. It's you just love, but Colleen, I feel that way. Like when I'm scrolling, for example, and I see a Colleen Berry painting, I am shaken. I, I mean, I put my phone down because I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're wasting time. Like Colleen Berry's work makes me want to put my foot, my phone down and go back to the easel. Um, wow. she's so amazing when I see her drawings, especially because with drawings, just, there's so much revealed in the hand. It's like handwriting, you know, um, or we're painting kind of, there's something close, like more closed about painting where it just is, a, is presented to you like a finished product and 
Um, a drawing seems a little more like a conversation sometimes, but um, especially hers, she's just so, she's so confident, she's so skilled, but she, Colleen, um, she's classically trained. Yeah. Um, she's just a, not maybe a couple years older than me, but she's been training since she was really young, so she's phenomenal. Um, but she, um, she has a point of view. Yeah. She has taken this classical learning and she's entered, you know, the contemporary realist art world, which is so hard to do mm-hmm. without looking like you just are pretending to be a, like, fifth, you know, um, 19th century French academic or something like she has taken the skills into a contemporary art world like unapologetically you know she's like yeah this is my background this is my training like and and now I'm making this image and the paintings that she's making today are you know they have they have it all they have everything they have a contemporary sensibility they have extremely solid um like very skilled classical you know foundation underneath them but I mean above all they have a point of view and that is what makes all you know any of this worth it. I mean, if you're a musician, if you're an, you're a modern artist or an expressionist or whatever, like, you know, yeah. everything can start to look and sound the same. But if you say it in your way, yes, amen. That's to the that. difference. And I loved hearing you talk about her because, you know, I think from from my perspective, when you have that stronger reaction to something like you said, you're scrolling through and you see like I have to go now and paint. Yeah, like that to me means that. There's something very deep in, of you in that. Yeah. So, you know, and it's like echoing it back to you. Yeah. So, you know, in a way. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, that's in you already. It's like, but you want to go find it. I mean, I wish, you know, if I could download anybody's skills or whatever, I mean, it would definitely be hers, but it's it's not even like, I think this is maybe what Vincent Desiderio meant about Picasso. It's not that he wanted... You don't want to be Picasso. Sure. It's just that this is someone who's, like, making art, and they're yeah. making art in a way that makes you want to make art. Yeah. Um, and I... I It's so interesting because I feel like a lot of artists that I admire, it's, like, because there's a, something they do or a, a skill they have or that I, I want to mimic or I want to mm-hmm. imitate or something. But I, I will say, like, honestly, for Colleen... Of course I want those skills. Oh my mm. god. But I don't want to make the art she's making because, like, she's making it. You know mm-hmm. I mean? I love her point of view. It's hers. You yeah. know, it's, like, very... It's beautiful. It's so confident and so timeless. And But it sparks something in you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, it is personal, of course. Yeah. And, and I would say the other one is um, Katie Whipple on Instagram. She's Katie G. Whipple. Um, she is a, she's more, most recently a flower painter, and, uh, and again, a genre that, you know, everybody who's ever painted has painted flowers, but you look at Katie Whipple's flowers, and you don't need to look at other flower painters, Mm. um, and, I mean, because she has her own point of view in her, the way that, and she, she's a realist, a realist painter, um, but the way that she approaches it is just, it's very specific, and lots of people try to, you know, attempt that approach, but I, I feel like, She's so... Talk about a sensitive soul. Um, mm. And it's Colleen and Katie's advice where when I need, like, heart advice, or, you know, heart uh, art heart advice or, yes. like, technical advice, you know, it's their words that I hear in in my head just from taking... Learning from them and taking workshops with them. Um, you know, so they prop me up in, in all of these ways. Like, they feed me. Um, 
And also, you know, my teacher, Julia Aristides, um, I don't feel obligated to mention her at all. I, I just really do <laughs> think she's great, um, especially her drawings, which I'm lucky enough to have one of. And um, there's just something about a great piece of art in your life that, you know, mm-hmm. is in my living room. I like stare at it lovingly all the time, you know, but um, Juliet as well. She's wonderful. Awesome. Okay, well, I can't wait to check out all these people. Um, so lastly, before we get into your favorites, the question I always ask everybody is the question, ending with a kind of a big, heavy question, but when you're going through a bad day or month or year, yeah. you know, what's in your personal toolkit to help you get through it? Um... Well, before we started recording, we poured some tea for ourselves, and that uh, Tulsi Sweet Rose tea, my friend, I was saying my friend Erin, who forages for her own teas, and uh, she's got some attitude about, you know, store-bought teas, heaven's sake, (laughs) and uh, one time I think I was feeling a little, like, sluggish or low or something, and she gave me this rose tea, this Tulsi rose, Rose tea, and on the packaging, it says it has, like, stress-relieving and magical properties or something like this. And she said to me, I think this is true. <laughs> I think it does have magical properties. Like, no no wink or nod like she meant it. Yeah. And I took this tea into my life. And I, I think it does have magical properties. Tea is magic. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's... that's <laughs> Proven, perhaps, uh-huh. if, if you could prove such a thing. But I, I think there are things like that, and maybe because it's a... I, I imagine... Um, I imagine Aaron, but... Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, there's something about the, the kind of... The smell of it, but also the flavor to go... All of, all of the things, you know. Um, yeah, it's really... So that... Um, I really like... Uh, I used to swim a lot. That's kind of fallen off, but I feel like in my ideal week, I go swimming across the street at the pool... Um, like at the lap pool, uh, or do some rock climbing at the mm. bouldering gym. Again, with that immersive thing, like uh, yeah. reading or you know, getting yourself like fully out of your art head, where you're like, um, you know, eight feet up on a rock face or something, you know, which is not high, but I'm talking bouldering here. And um, you know, you really have to be dropped in. It's like yeah. you and the wall, and what's your next move? Um, that can really pull your head out of your It's ass. a focus. It's a singular <laughs> yeah. focus that you have That's to pay it. attention to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I always say, you know, um, when I'm having a bad day, but I've noticed the thing that helps me get out of it the most is actually turning my attention, attention away from myself yeah. and thinking like, what can I do? Even if it's just like a little gesture to make someone else's day better. Yeah. And doing that always gets me out of it. It's like, it's weird how it's like, a selfless thing that ends up being kind of selfish too because you realize that in doing that yeah. it makes you feel better right because you're not you're you're brightening somebody else's day yeah. you're not in your own head anymore you're not thinking about yeah. your own problems or what your own feelings you know yeah um, there's something about that that I've just noticed is like always helped me I think that's probably like the curse of many artists who especially if you work alone or you don't see a lot of people in a given day you know there's yeah. just you're so turned inward um that I mean that's something you know because I wasn't I haven't always been like this you know like I just um I've really just the last year I've been working in my studio at home and before that I was in um a class you know there were five in my kind of cohort and then there were four years working together so 
um, you know, I haven't, I don't, I'm not around people a lot, and I think the ability to, um, you know, exercise kindness and receive it, yeah, exercise patience and receive it, I think, I think that's something that we miss out on, and, you know, I try to force myself out into the world to, like, experience people. (laughs) I mean, I love people. (laughs) There, you know, I, there's a coffee shop in my neighborhood, um, Squirrel Chefs, that I love, and I, uh, go visit them, you know, and it's, it's, it has such a community vibe, you know, that I feel like I can hang out there for a minute and bring, you know, a magazine or something I'm reading and, uh, just kind of soak that up for a sec. I'm, it, it really is, I would say the, um, I've talked a lot about like life hacking my schedule and my day, but that really seems kind of puny in comparison to the problem of not being around people a lot, which, um, I think it's just this larger, you know, I need to take big breaks from work. By big, I mean like a week or something and maybe go to a workshop where I'm still painting, but I'm around people and, um, you know, and I think we talked about like receiving criticism and stuff. And I think that is part of, you know, if you can, if you have an art community, you know, you need it so badly. I, oh, I, um, Kimberly Trowbridge, um, is a wonderful artist here in Seattle and she teaches at Gage and she runs a seminar on uh, like every other Wednesday where we read, uh, you know, different texts on art or we might bring in kind of uh, project ideas and, and we kind of cultivate a, com- a community of yeah. reading and talking about art ideas and also criticism and yeah. this like really amazing space where we trust each other. See, that's the key, isn't it? Yes. Like for me... I'm fine to receive criticism, yeah. but I just want it to be from people that, like, love me and that are coming from a good place. That want the best for you. That, that want, want the best, best for you. Even if you don't, like, want the best for me, but you want the best for my work. Yeah, totally. <laughs> also fine. That's a very different thing than getting just, like, unsolicited criticism, you know? Yeah. Well, from, from, uh, from people that aren't, like, don't have your best interest in mind. Well, sometimes that's like a reaction where they just need to get something off that's their true. chest. Yes, and that, yes. for them, is like, um, they're expressing or like yeah. releasing something that's like, um, yeah. bothering them, which is different from someone that's extractive. That's taking, yeah. you know, where someone designs a thoughtful, useful piece of advice and criticism about your work. I mean, that is a gift. Totally. Man, this is like the most beautiful conversation. I'm just like, I got like teared up in so many spots. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The, your questions are so... I, every time you ask a question, I like, um, I get scared because it's just, it's so big, you know, and I feel like my brain wants to go in a million different directions. I feel like, how could I possibly address it? But yeah, thank you for the thoughtful, for the thoughtfulness. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, no, thank you for your just, you're opening your heart and sharing all this. Um, I want to, I always end with the kind of your favorite things, you know, and, um, so let's just get into it. So oh, yeah. tell me one of your favorite books. My favorite book, I would have to say, is just this book that I, um, you know, my favorite quote unquote thing is just my, the thing I'm most amped on at the moment, which is, um, right now it's just this precious gem of a book called Arbitrary Stupid Goal by Tamara Shopson. It's what I'm making every person I care about in my life read. Um, it's just a memoir of her family's restaurant 
uh, in Greenwich Village called Shopsons. And I think Bob's Burgers might be, be loosely inspired by it. Um, but it's this mom and pop. They have like five kids and uh, they just run the shop. You know, the kids, <laughs> you know, wipe down the tables and run the shop in, a, in a, was it Greenwich? Um, and is it Greenwich? Yeah, I think so. Or the, yeah, Greenwich. Or the West Village. Um, and anyway, they, uh, it's about her dad's, like, life philosophy about, um, you know, like, I think you said earlier, like, you don't have to be perfect. Or, yeah. Where he's just, he kind of raises his kids, you know, I think he says in a different uh, piece in a documentary, he was just like, I just try to raise my kids to realize they're not so terrific, you know? <laughs> he's yeah. like, your personality is, you know, I'm gonna, I hate trying to paraphrase somebody, but, you know, you don't want to treat yourself like you're a brand new car off the lot that, ha you know, you're afraid of dinging and scratching. Like, yes. you're not that. You're just an imperfect person and occasionally you do right. <laughs> Mostly you're doing wrong and like trying to fix it. Yeah. And so, um, but I think the, the reason I love it is Tamara Shopson's voice. Again, I'm just like obsessed with people who kind of can figure out their point of view and yeah. their perspective and just write on it. And she does not like put on her writer's voice. She's just who she is. Talks about like talks yeah. about it as as if she's like still that kid. She just kind of is like, mm. um, and it's about the characters that used to come in and out of this shop from from like Jeff Goldblum to you know like her favorite person was just uh, her dad's best friend, who I think was a maintenance um, like a building maintenance guy. Um, anyway, uh, Willie, it's just a you know a cornucopia of, of characters and, and all kind of this loving community, again, just a community of people. And, um, I think I actually recently loaned it to Rachel and awesome. when she read it, she said, you know, it, it like makes you long for a New York you never knew and didn't oh, know you wanted or whatever. Yeah. It's just that community of like a different, a different time, um, just told from one person's perspective. And it's also just hilarious. Well, that's great. I'm so excited to read it now. Yeah. I'm all about memoirs, too. Higher and recommend. a good memoir, there's nothing better than that. Um, well, And if you don't mind mentioning it, which we have the book right here, would you oh, mind? Yeah. In case, because I can't wait to dive into this. Oh, um, yeah. The, yes. And this is a classic if you um, are in, have gone to art school or done any figure drawing or painting. It's called Kenneth, Clark, uh, Kenneth Clark's The Nude, A Study in Ideal Form. And I think a lot of people like wonder why you paint nudes or why you draw nudes, and and of course there's a classical convention to it. You know, it's um, there are all of these reasons and study into you know if you can paint flesh, you can paint anything. It's it all there are all of the colors in flesh, um, etc. But this is just a really I think a riveting and often funny book. It was written in like 1956 by Kenneth Clark. A lot of the art in like the religious kind of classical art genre uh, was done, you know, where even in the Greek era, you know, they, the son of uh, Zeus is Apollo and he was like the most beautiful being and um, he, you know, humans so much believed that the gods would look like them and that continued into like all of the other traditions into Christian religious art where, you know, there's that painting that Michelangelo did of God, you know, touching David's, you know, finger, uh, the finger almost touch or whatever on the Sistine Chapel, um, where, you know, humans, we see ourselves in everything 
and the study and the psychology of the nude um, is so fascinating. Again, back to this behavioral psychology and what is our motivation? And I think, yeah. you know, in art, we're like constantly projecting ourselves onto things. And, you know, like I said, you just put your art out there and then it's not yours anymore. So I think all of that is wrapped up in this awesome book by Kenneth Clark uh, called The Nude, just a total study into why. Why love do it. we paint this? Love it, love it. Yeah, can't be to beat it. Um, Thank you. Okay, so how about... Oof, that felt like very <laughs> wordy and no, no, nerdy. I mean, I loved it. I'm all, I'm nerdy all the way, so it, it was great. And I can't wait to read the first few pages that you were saying. Um, yeah, just, it's like just a defense. The first chapter yeah. is just, why then, you know, my, when I started painting nudes, I remember my grandma in particular being, uh, you know, not pearl clutch, clutching or anything, but just being like, why do you paint nudes, you know? And I, <laughs> I really didn't have like a very coherent reason other than just like it is what is done you know like it yeah. is tradition or it's you know obviously I could say it's you know how you practice to turn form and and color and light and stuff but um no Kenneth Clark will tell you like why you paint nudes I love and it it's, it's riveting it. yeah awesome um how about a favorite album or song oh man so lately I've been painting commissions and I'm on a timeline and I'm just trying to get um, done to the best of my ability, but I'm trying to, I mean, that sounds like I'm just churning them out. What I mean is I'm trying to get my focus in yeah. line. And so, um, you know how there are Spotify playlists that like run to like beats per minute? Oh yeah. Um, you know, that you can run to or work out to. I almost feel like I'm on that kind of train for, uh, painting right now. So I listen to like pop, mm -hmm. a lot of pop, you know, like, all of it. Just all of it. I don't even want to name names. <laughs> if you're thinking it in your head, like, you're probably right. But, um, something I'm listening no to... Shame in that. <laughs> no, no, none at all. I just, like, I wouldn't... Um, yeah, I'm really into... I mean, obviously, everyone loves Lizzo right now, but I yeah. like, um, you know, Nicki Minaj is, like, solid. Uh, you know, bless Ariana Grande for giving us two pop albums this year, you know, that I, I really need to get through my paintings. Um, That's great, though. It's like you have a certain type of music that can help you get through that, you know? Yeah, but I also, like, want to turn around and say, um, Anna Meredith, uh, she did the soundtrack for 8th Grade Movie, if anyone saw that, but she did songs for the M5, which is just, it sounds like a lot of cello and viola just going to town. Um, but the rhythm, again, is that same, like, kind of almost, I don't know, pop tempo of some kind. Um, it's very compelling um, instrumental music. And there's a lot of stuff out there like that that I, um, I really like. I have a dear friend who makes me... Um, make, he's a radio DJ in uh, Eugene, Oregon, and he oh. makes me the best playlists in the world. I feel like I'm the luckiest artist because he'll make me these really long, beautiful playlists, and it's like everything from oh, that's so sweet. Motown to, um, you know, like psych rock to just everything. It's beautiful. Uh, so I really... I also listen to a lot of podcasts, and I listen to yeah. a lot of audiobooks, but, yeah. but I find that when I'm really, if I'm really honest, you know, when you get really honest about how you work best, I want to be listening to audiobooks, and I want to be listening to podcasts, but when I'm, like, deep in yeah. a good workspace, I'm not doing any of that. Of I'm course, listening yeah. to music, and I don't even know what the music is. Sure, because you can't be doing yeah. both at the same time, like, be fully engaged in right. both at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about a favorite place? 
My favorite place. Wow. Well, wow. I didn't expect, uh, so I, I always have imagined that Rome is my favorite city and I'm about to go back there. I have been there before, but I was 22 and you know, I was just like, this is the best city in the world. But you know, um, so I'm really excited to go back to there. Um, but in terms of place, I don't know. I mean, my living room, I really like. Yeah, you have a beautiful <laughs> living room. Thanks. And the studio, my goodness. I could just live right in yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the studio is loaded with, like, responsibility and un unfinished, yeah. you know, unmet promises, etc. But I think, you know, my husband and I, we really love film. Um you know, movies, whatever. We love, um, he, he was a film theory major and, um, we met in college and so I kind of like went through all of that with him. I like watched them all. I don't ha have a minor or anything like that to show for it, but, <laughs> you know, I watched and analyzed all, uh, the whole syllabus as well. Uh -huh. Um, and so I, you know, we choose something good or something stupid, whatever. And we watch movies, you know, we do the crossword puzzle. We like read in there. We have our um, you know, our two annoying cats and I've just made, you know, he's really great at like nesting and making a home a home, you know, yeah. I'm like really good at um, messing that up or, or like <laughs> making the home like my studio. I'm, I just try to paint in every room of the house. And so he's really good at, you know, uh, reining that in. I like my living room. I'm also excited to go back to Rome. Awesome. Two really solid good yeah, solid. There you go. And lastly, how about a favorite memory? A favorite memory. Um, I have to say that we talked about the in-between moments before, and um, I felt so uncertain and so scared in this moment, but also it is one of my favorite moments of uh, Emmett and I, right when I finished grad school, uh, Emmett and I worked at the same agency in Austin, um, and we both lost our jobs on the same day. Whoa, really? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, talk about upheaval. Wow. Um, but I had just finished grad school, and my company was actually helping me go through grad school, but they just had a restructuring plan that didn't include me, and I was free to go, kind of, you know, like, um, so we, Emmett had, um, a contract at Amazon. He had a job offer in New York. I had um, like a paid internship offer, which was like not, you know, that interesting in San Francisco, but at a really great place. Um, and so we just decided to like move to Seattle. We just decided to move to the city that we wanted to live in. Yeah. And also just there's so much work here for what we were doing in design and, um, we packed up our Prius, we put our cats in it, and we drove with everything in our Prius to Seattle, and it felt crazy. Like, we didn't, like, we didn't have health insurance. Yeah. We didn't know where the next paycheck was coming from. We drove to Seattle. We had um, an apartment that we had already put a deposit down on, and I remember uh, that drive is, like, very crystal clear in my mind um every moment of the drive just how dropped in and present we were because we just did not know what was coming next we yeah. took nothing for granted in this moment and um 
Also getting into our apartment and all we had was my iMac that I used in grad school and a blow-up mattress <laughs> on the floor. And we went to the market and we got, um, you know, the beautiful flowers sold at the Pike Market here. We uh, bought, paid, like, bought a vase on the side of the road for 50 cents, like someone was having a sidewalk sale from their apartment. Put the flowers in the vase, turned on the computer. Um, we had Wi-Fi from the neighbor that they let us use. <laughs> Amazing. And we were somehow able to watch like a few episodes of Northern Exposure. Amazing. And we made pasta the first night in our, you know... You made it home. We had nothing yeah. nothing else in the whole apartment. I mean, it was a 600-square-foot apartment, so uh, there wasn't like a lot of, you know, empty space anyway. But it, uh, that, you know, just all felt possible. Everything was potential. Yeah. And it could have been, you know, is it scary? Like, yes. Yeah. But I mean, it just, everything felt like you, you really feel like you're manifesting. You're like yes. making every yes. single, and no, at that point where nothing has gone wrong yet. Like we haven't tried and failed to get jobs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a really lovely time like settling into Seattle. So that ended up not being a problem, but yeah, of course, everything could have gone wrong, but nothing had yet. Yeah. Not, you know, we just were all, you know, all hope. Well, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. Exactly, right? yeah. So. <laughs> so it's such a weird, you know, because it came out of kind of devastation in that moment, but then just, it was when, it, also it was so bonding. Yeah, He and I, I moving bet. across the country. Um, I know, it was great. That's beautiful, and here you are. And so here I am. proof that taking the leaps are... Still in Seattle. And yeah. <laughs> Love, loving it. Oh, thank you so much. This was so beautiful. Oh, Again, was... thank you. What It's so uh, meaningful. Obviously, I don't talk, you know, get to talk to people, you know, like at an office situation, and also my friends are not constantly asking me my deepest, darkest, like, <laughs> art thoughts. So it's such a privilege, and... Um, Thank you so much. Thank you. Musings with Monse, artists and their honest stories, is audio produced by the amazing Erin Mooring, and the beautiful theme music you hear is by Heather Maloney.